Welcome back to Bottled Water, everybody. Guess who we have? As you can see on this side, <laughs> Mick West. First episode of the year. Why can I hear myself? Oh, God. Technical problems? Yeah, a little bit. Where's my... Oh, my God. That shouldn't be open. Close that. There we go. It's going to reverb for a couple seconds, and then it'll finally go away. Oh. Sounds good to me. So. Oh, probably because I have with headphones on, yeah, so it's not going to reverb. You're getting, uh, getting it two ways. Yeah. All right. Well, well, welcome back. We can't have a first episode of the new year without me messing something up. <laughs> this is what yeah. happens when you produce, manage, and host your own show. This is why I avoid live things. I know something is going to go <laughs> wrong, and it's just so stressful. I like to just record it, and then I can get it out there with, a, with the first few minutes of all the glitches chopped off. Well, yeah, that's that's part of why I like doing live is because something <laughs> will go wrong. It's real. It is real. Of course, I can't take anything back now. It's all live. <laughs> exactly. So, Mick, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. I want to hear it. Well, I am a retired video game programmer, which is something that people sometimes throw at me as uh, as an insult. Which, a little bit uh, of a I'm jab pretty... every now and again. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm, I'm pretty proud of what I did back in the day. I worked on the Tony Hawk um, series of video games. That's my Tony Hawk skateboard right there from Tony Hawk uh, to THPS 1, the very first awesome. game. Tony gave us all a signed skateboard. And, uh, you know, I worked at Neversoft for a while uh, after that and then kind of like semi-retired and started doing some writing stuff, writing for game developer and then uh, doing my own writing like blogs and such like on the internet and kind of just found my way into um, debunking stuff. And when I say debunking stuff, yeah, I think it's important to, to say that that doesn't mean like I'm setting out to disprove something. I'm right. setting out to investigate something and see whether it contains any bunk, you know, nonsense and things that are wrong, and then yeah. you know take that out of the subject. So you know, I I did a lot. I started out doing, well, I started out doing this thing called Morgellons, which is this kind of uh, weird disease. It was a little touchy to deal with because it dealt with a lot of highly emotional topics for people. But then I kind of segued into chemtrails, which was kind of interesting. That's the whole, you know the conspiracy theory that oh, yeah. the government's spraying us with stuff. With aluminum uh, oxide or something like that. <laughs> well, that's the yeah, that's the one thing that the, the people say, which doesn't make any sense because aluminum oxide is just basically sand. Uh, yes. you know, it's 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 what you sandpaper is made yeah. from aluminum oxide, mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it, and it's found everywhere. It's like you know, it's it's it would be a ridiculous thing to spray, but you know, people get these weird ideas in their heads. Uh, a, a good thing of yeah, it's a little side thing, but like the aluminum is basically everywhere. Yes, uh, it is. like it's because it's one of the main components of of dirt. You mm -hmm. and and it's in dust. It's in the air. You're breathing in aluminum right now. The average person ingests five milligrams of, um, or maybe five micrograms. Yeah, five, quite a, quite a bit of aluminum every day in plants. So they find it everywhere. So there was this big conspiracy theory that they're, they're spraying us with aluminum. So they'd go out into a field and they would like get a little bit of dirt or something and they test it and they go, oh my god, it's full of aluminum. Which, of course, it is everywhere, and it always has been. It is, yes. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was the fun uh, conspiracy theory that I, I kind of, like, was interested in for several years. And then I got into more stuff. Like, just like, you know, you start 
looking into one conspiracy theory and other ones and come just, up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It happens both ways. If you're a, you know, an investigator, a skeptic, a debunker, uh, you discover new things. Mm-hmm. And if you're a believer, you know, if you're someone who believe, starts believing in the chemtrail conspiracy theory, then you're going to start believing that, you know, that maybe uh, 9-11 was an inside job and the, there was mm-hmm. explosives planted in the towers and things like that. And you, you'll start believing that Kennedy was killed uh, by the CIA or, or someone, you know. Uh, uh, and then eventually I kind of, what I've been doing recently a lot is is looking into UFOs. And right. That's kind of been, been my main thing for a while, actually. it's It's been just, UFOs has always been like a real fun thing to look into because yeah. there's all these little um, you know, ways you can analyze videos. Mm-hmm. And that, which really ties into, you know, the whole video game thing because video yeah. games require a lot of mathematics and a lot of 3d mathematics and to do with you know the camera is looking at a scene and that creates a picture you can mm-hmm. take that and you can run that exact same math in reverse and take a picture and try to figure out what the 3d scene is so all the video game stuff was like basically training to be a ufo investigator and that's what i'm doing now investigating I mean, ufo videos the ufo phenomenon is kind of a kind of a double-edged sword uh it's with uh project blue book and in mm. previous government explanations into the phenomenon has kind of been wishy-washy at best sometimes where they yeah yeah it's kind of just been like we think this is just swamp gas or the planet venus and people are are having experiences and i i'm not going to say what anybody else has seen ever but they're they're seeing things where it's moving it's visibly moving it's not like they're staring through a tree at a star because i i do that sometimes in my backyard i can look at all the stars and if you look through a tree it kind of looks like they're moving if the wind is blowing or something yeah, even if even if you're not looking through a tree, there's a thing called the autokinetic effect, where if you look right. at a single star, it looks like it's kind of moving around in the sky, or kind like of wobbling uh, a little bit, pulsing. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, they do pulse. They do actually pulse uh, because of just fluctuations in the atmosphere. But the autokinetic effect is kind of something to do with your eyes and your brain. And if you look at any singular star, like you know, like Polaris or like a, a bright one like Venus, that's mm-hmm. you can't see much else around it, it's going to look like it's moving. It's, the, it's one of these illusions that leads to UFO reports. Of course, yeah, just a few of them, some of them, a portion of them, but yeah, something now, to be aware of. There, there's a lot of phenomenon uh, that I find incredibly interesting. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? The something valley, the uncanny valley. That one, yes, the uncanny yeah, valley. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a little uh, completely different topic in a way. That's the it, it does, but it's. In a, like in a way, all this paranormal stuff seems to be connected. Mm. Yeah, it's I think like how your brain the, works. Yeah, in the human mind, like it's all yeah. connected. We we experience all this different uh, phenomenon. And when I look at Uncanny Valley, I'm like, why is that a psychological condition? Yeah, it's I don't know. It's 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 not really. And the Uncanny Valley is is where fake. Uh, faces essentially mm. don't look human, even though they're hyper realistic, right? There's, and there's, it, there's... 
like uh, robots or like really good CGI. Yeah, yeah. There's something there, but it's not really like a you know a psychological thing. It's it's really that the brain is really really good at recognizing uh, people, mm-hmm. and so the brain just kind of picks up that there's something wrong. Yeah, it, it's it could look kind of like a real thing. I mean, a lot of these the, the renderings you you can kind of see you can kind of describe what's wrong, and the skin looks a little bit too plasticky or a little bit too translucent, or as, right. you know the, the way the light shines off it isn't quite right, uh, or the when something's animated, the animation isn't isn't quite as good yeah, as a real human. It's just it's just not off. there. Yeah, and in in a way, I think it could be like. It feels bad because if you saw a real human who looked like that, you would think that they were ill. Yes. And and the human brain is kind of hardwired to avoid illness. Like if you see someone who's sick, you know, you you, you like don't want to touch them. You know, someone coughs mm-hmm. near you, but you want to stay away from them. I mean, you humans are naturally like driven away from um, things that. that that kind of impinge upon their their, their purity, like their uh, right. their, their health, it, their sense of well being. Or... Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like you see these these robots or these CGIs of human faces, and and it's like yeah, that yeah. guy looks like it's sick. Yeah, and that really came up uh, in the beginning of like the PlayStation Four era with mm. uh, God. <sighs> What's the the Elder Scrolls game that they've had like seventy two different releases of? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, new, the new games now that uh, you know the the AAA titles are you know they're trying to get there with the hyper realistic uh, player characters and NPCs, and uh, you know they you know, they suffer from this this issue. It's you know it's like it's it's a game. It's, it's yeah, not, it's, it is. It's, it, it it you still feel. Yeah, that, uh, that that sense that it's it's not quite right, but you know what? What's it going to be like when the games are actually so real that you can't tell? So you, yeah, that's uh, it's like virtual reality. Yeah, that's that is the exact reason why you will never ever ever I will die on this hill. Not put a interface on to go onto Facebook to interact with the meta or whatever the hell that they yeah, are pushing the metaverse. Yeah, the metaverse because it's just it, that's blowing my mind. The, I I saw a, a picture of a whole stadium full of people with yeah. these things on, and I was like, God, that's not healthy. It looks dystopian, good. doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it looks it's dystopian. Just, it's very disturbing. You know, there's a there's a theory as to why aliens aren't here. Is it because uh, we're is, horrible people? No, it's the the metaverse. Oh. Is actually way more interesting and compelling than traveling through space. Well, I know there's there's one theory that there are several extraterrestrial civilizations, but they never make it past the uh, what we would call the singularity for artificial intelligence. Yeah, like they don't live, they don't survive their well, singularity events. It shouldn't really matter because you know after a singularity. Uh, after essentially a singularity. I mean, people talk about the singularity as being humans merge with machines, but really it's the machines taking over. I mean, that's, right. that's essentially what's what's happening there. Like if 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 you were yeah, melding your consciousness with a machine, you're probably not really. It's really just a machine 
has has made That's, a copy of you, mm-hmm. and the machine is is running with it. Uh, but you know, if there's a singularity in alien civilizations, then you still expect robots and AI yeah. ships and things to be doing stuff. And you know, why wouldn't they colonize well, the galaxy? Then the question becomes for that is what uh, motivation do they have to explore past their solar system? What or past motivation do they have to do anything? I mean, <laughs> well, they, the, to, to sustain their existence, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so to sustain your existence, that's the the most important thing you can do is to get off your home planet. Well, because, that's what Elon Musk keeps saying. Yeah, if he gets hit by a rock. I mean, sure, like the, the first thing, you, you could probably do a twofold approach. Uh, one would be to set up very good defenses mm-hmm. so that uh, you know, the asteroids get bumped away before uh, before they hit here. And yeah. then the second thing is to actually get off the planet. And uh, you know, the quickest way to do that is to colonize the solar system around you. Right, but your sun's going to die eventually, and you know, there may be some other star in a collision course with your sun in a, a billion years' time. And if you're an AI, you might have that long of a time frame where you want to to get away. Um, and so you'd want to colonize other stars. So I mean, if if the imperative of an AI is to survive, it needs to colonize the galaxy and even right. other galaxies in the long term. So that like this is blowing my mind i never expected that you would have these like views because you're my so my uh exposure to you is very limited because it's all just on twitter and i'll see mm-hmm. you tweet like a response to a video which everybody who is watching sees and then you'll say well that's an airplane and i'm looking at it and i'm like yeah it's a fucking airplane but then the hate just starts and I'm just mm. like, oh, now I can't, I can't look at all these toxic responses. Yeah. So what I'm think, trying to build sorry. is that we build a more inclusive UFO kind of community where we listen to the debunkers, you and everybody else. But we don't immediately respond with a knee-jerk, angry reaction. Because that's the wrong way to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I think the problem kind of boils down to kind of a misperception of motives. Right. Like, people think that I am trying to do a particular thing and that's because I'm doing, trying to do that particular thing that they think that I'm doing, I'm trying to, you know, they think I'm trying to discredit uh, legitimate UFO investigators by saying things like, you know, it's, so it's just a balloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what I'm trying to do is trying to figure out what things are. But So the problem of communication is, is really that, you know, when I make a response, you know, someone puts up a, a video and I say, well, that looks like, uh, you know, a lens flare or whatever I think it looked like, uh, or I, I don't know what it is. You know, often you, you can't tell what things are because, you know, it's just a light in the sky. People think that my response is 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 an attempt to discredit the field of ufology. Right. And so they look at everything in that framework as if, you know, I'm some kind of, uh, I don't know, like, 
villain government shill. <laughs> you're you're like the you're like the Thanos. <laughs> you're like the Thanos of UFO Twitter. I don't. I don't think I'm quite quite that. Uh, maybe the Loki or something like that. But well, uh, you know, Loki did have a redemption arc. And I, th- well, I yes. think we can get there. Yes. I mean, I every, everyone likes there. Loki, essentially. You know, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a, a lovable character, yeah. <laughs> even though he's a bit, a bit mischievous and evil. But yeah, it's, if, people, you know, if people think that you are setting out to try to discredit it, then the straight away, no matter what you say, no matter how valid the things are that you say, uh, they, they say, they think that you're, you're lying. You know, people, will, right. people think that I... I, you know, I'm being disingenuous that I'm making stuff up or I'm, I don't actually believe what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, something comes along and I, I, it looks like a balloon to me. I'm going to say it's a balloon, but right. people might think, uh, you know, Mick West is just saying that's a balloon because he's trying to, you know, make it look like everything is balloons. But, but yeah. no, I'm trying to figure stuff out just the same as everybody else, even though I might have different, you know, biases and stuff like that. Uh, I, I'm genuinely trying to figure stuff out. And when I say things, I'm honestly saying what I believe and what I think something actually is. And I appreciate that because there's there's a lot of tribalism in the UFO community. And sometimes it, it really is exhausting to me because I'll see these tweets or, or whatever and I'm just like, oh my God, are these two people beefing again like it's been three weeks so let's have another fight i'm just like why why do this yeah yeah we we are actually and i want to get your opinion on the the ufo uh or sorry the uap um office in the pentagon that was created under the new national defense authorization act with the gillibrand amendment yeah, very interesting. Um, I, I kind of feel like, um, you know, there's been a lot of political pressure to do this, but not like, you know, a lot like a huge amount of political pressure as in loads of politicians are doing it. There's been a, a lobbying campaign, yeah. like kind of a focused lobbying campaign that has been able to get a lot of media attention. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's such an interesting subject, uh, the media goes crazy over yeah. the, over it. You know, so any little thing that comes up is the military spokespeople are going to be barraged uh, by requests for more information, uh, and that meet that pub media interest uh, fuels public interest, which fuels more media interest, and then people start calling the congressman, and it becomes relatively easy at that point to get some kind of legislation passed because there's so much media attention and public pressure uh, to do that. And so people like, you know, really where it came from was Chris Mellon and his various associates. Chris Mellon, he wrote the original language for the UAP report uh, legislation that was in the COVID relief bill. And he's, he's probably been deeply involved in drafting uh, the current, the Gillibrand uh, Amendment legislation. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see like the various, um, I don't know, almost like little little signatures and tells of the, the stuff where, you know, it's kind of coming from the UFO community. It's not really coming from the government or the Pentagon. Right. Uh, 
there's the stuff like uh, you know the transmedium craft and and health effects and clusters around nuclear sites and that's all essentially ufo um you know i would describe it as mythology but you know, other people would describe it as kind of accepted history but that's neither here but here nor there the point is it's the ufo community that is uh, exemplified by people like uh, chris mellon Mm-hmm. And Lou Elizondo and Hal Putoff and uh, Jim Semivan and T- Tom DeLong, you know they've they've done an effective lobbying campaign that has resulted in this legislation getting passed, and it, it piggybacks upon a couple of things. Yeah, one of which is all this public interest and the media interest that I've described, and mm-hmm. the other is the set of genuine issues that are related to UFOs. Uh, the type yeah. of things that were called out in the UAP report. Airspace, airspace clutter is one. Your training ranges, if they've got like drones and balloons and stuff cluttering up the airspace, that's that's an issue. Just simply the, the, the basic issue, if a Navy pilot can't identify something that pops up on his radar, that's, that's a big problem. And then the possibility of, you know, foreign drones or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or something new or some type of atmospheric <clears throat> phenomena. These are real issues. But yeah. the UFO community has kind of... Uh, put their stamp on it and got it to be kind of almost like framed in this perhaps yeah. their aliens context. And um, so I don't know if you know this, but I spent 19 months out at White Sands Missile Range literally sleeping under the stars. All right. Now, it wasn't always in favorable weather conditions. A lot of times it was really cold and you're snuggled up in your yeah. sleeping bag like... <laughs> But I've seen lights moving across the sky, and then they just 90 degree off. Yeah. And that's not, it's, planes don't do 90 degree turns, for one. And there were no FAA blinky lights. But to move like that, it's just, it's it's a lot of weird things that you see out there, especially out in the desert. You don't have to Mm -hmm. be at White Sands, but if you're just out in the desert and you're paying attention to the sky. Yeah. Probably helps. Yeah. <laughs> Being at White Sands, you've got the proving grounds uh, there. Yeah. Like where they test new technology and uh, interesting. That's things. exactly what we were doing. Yeah. Was testing so, new yeah, technology. You might not have the FAA lights on, on things, or they could be. And, and there are, you know, you say things don't move at 90 degrees, but the, yeah, from my experience, I've seen quite a few videos of, of things. This, this crops up with, with the, the chemtrails thing. It looks like a plane is making a 90-degree turn, but it's kind of forced perspective. Mm-hmm. The plane's moving across, and then it just makes a fairly slight turn. It can actually look like it's moving 90 degrees when it's it's really not. But, it, you know, I, I wasn't there, so I can't tell what you're Right. No, this, this, was, this was something moving with a purpose. So it was not right. slow. Yeah. It was a... Dude, you should have got a video. We weren't allowed to have phones. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah security yeah. clearances and stuff. You're not yeah. allowed to have a phone out there it's tricky it's tricky with the lights in the sky thing you know, like, mm. like you're saying earlier like you know someone points like there's a light in the view saying or someone was saying this i was just watching earlier like uh it's light in the sky i mean what can you do with it it's just it's just moving and you can't really tell how far away it is or how big it is yeah. i mean that means you can't tell how fast it's moving mm-hmm. uh it's it's quite tricky you know I, I always say that the the gold standard of ufo evidence would be to get something that appears to be moving in an unusual way from two separate locations with yeah. some kind of context so you could see where the cameras were pointing at and then you could triangulate it you could actually create the 3d path 
because you know, you, the mathematics yeah. from from three D to two D is absolute, but two D to three D gives a loads of possible solutions. You know, something's over there, but it could be here, yeah. here, 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 here. Well, <clears throat> the other way, a smaller round, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's 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 tricky to that's that's yeah, it's it's ambiguity. Is it is the issue is is with UFOs and the, uh... the video and photos are ambiguous, and so it leaves it open to interpretation. Right. So I want to want to show you a video that I found a right. long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, but when I first started my channel. So I'm going to click on it. Here we go. So this is a plane. Obviously, right there, the blinky thing. Mm-hmm. And then you can see this. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen this this video before. It's it's kind of interesting. Um yes. Yeah. Five things in a formation. Mm-hmm. They do shift a bit in the in formation, I think, as they go across the sky. And it, it gives you the illusion that it turns. I don't think it does actually turn. I think it's, it's flying pretty much in a straight line. And what's happening is the camera is going overhead and the camera has to turn. To so it, it kind it of move. looks like... So here it, is, it looks like it's kind of going like this. Like it's arcing. Yeah, but that is the arc that things make across the sky when they're traveling in a straight line. It looks like an arc from the camera's perspective. Like if you took a fat panorama photograph of a, a straight line contrail, it looks like a big curve, like a big arc. Yeah. So I wouldn't so, say that's necessarily changing direction. I think it's something that's flying overhead. And you know, I, I don't know. I, you know it's, it's the type of thing I'd like to see more of. And I think I think the guy who took that concluded it was probably birds because he actually has, and you see that the formation has changed a bit in, in shape. The, the lead object moves up ahead. Actually a ahead. Bit. Yeah. He actually posted some other footage uh, that showed the same intensity of brightness. And this this is an image intensifier, so yeah. it's it's taking like dimly lit objects. Yeah, it's doing uh, some type of night vision monocle. Yeah, yeah, it's you know photo multiplier. So mm-hmm. you can tell by the greenness. Yeah, but I think I think what we're looking at here is five birds in formation, and it looks pretty unusual because it is um, just five. And right. that gives you that this real nice delta shape. But he posted some other video of, you know, essentially the same thing. And it had like seven or eight birds and they've got that more traditional kind of straggly, like one side is longer than the other. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think I think that's what this is. I think it's birds. I know it sounds ridiculous because like people make jokes like Mick West thinks everything is seagulls. But you know, you look at the comparing somebody, with the other video. So so somebody asked if you had a seagull tattoo. <laughs> I think you should get one. one I mean, why not? Kind of (laughs) seagull-shaped. But uh, so one of the things I would like to see, especially in this space, is more evidence when it comes to videos. Like I want, and even even with the three Navy videos, and I'm not going to dig too deep into them because 
the whole make west and the gimbal tiktok and go fast video has been beaten to death to the point to where i'm not going to sound like a broken record and just talk about them at all yeah. i'm just but i think if with video evidence what we need is like we need more we need to kind of you know yeah it's it's an issue though isn't it because um have you ever looked at, at MUFON, the MUFON database? Yes, I'm actually in the MUFON database. Like one of your sightings is in there? Yes, yep. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but they've got, I think, 120,000 cases now. And yeah. and probably like, I don't know, like 20% or so of them have video. I'm just mm. Yeah, a lot it, of them don't. A lot of them yeah. are just uh, written... Uh, yeah, I think at least half of them have some kind of image, like a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of them are, I saw a bright orange light and it moved from east to west and then disappeared, which isn't very useful. And it's not a lot you can do with a, a, a case like that, except perhaps aggregate it into some mm -hmm. kind of um, actual database that will be more useful if you can classify everything and then do some some searches. But you know, the, the interesting ones for me are the ones that have, have video. But there are literally... Uh, thousands of them you know there's 120,000 plus cases yeah and a, a good fifth of them i think or you know, maybe let's say 10 percent if there's only 10 percent of them uh have have video that's 12,000 videos and, yeah that's a, it's a lot and, there's and, and a yet lot you're saying we need more we need more videos but of course yeah. the point is that 99 percent of those videos are, are just crap uh they're they're, they're stuff that's like a you know someone's in their backyard and they see a light in the sky and they're holding the camera like this for some reason mm. uh and uh yeah. or that they're in a car and they see a light behind a tree or they're they, they see like you know you see lights coming towards you and it's obviously a plane so that you know most of them are terrible and the and, and you know i even saying that the ones that are not terrible aren't really interesting they're still just lights in the sky but sometimes yeah. they're yeah, maybe a little bit better. Like, you know, the one you just showed was, is a good example of a kind of a good UFO video, even though I think mm -hmm. it turned out to be birds and we have the evidence to support that. It looks pretty cool. It looks like, you know, what could it be? A like, triangle. Be a plane? Yeah, it's a triangle. Yeah. It, look, it looks like a, a craft with five lights around, around the edge, like a, a novel 2TR3B, maybe the TR4B. Uh, I don't but, think the yeah. TR3B is a real thing. People don't <laughs> like that I say that, and I'm going to keep saying it. But Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is yeah. either, but <clears throat> it, it's an archetype in, in UFO mm -hmm. sightings uh, that people actually see triangles, and yeah, there's but probably a reason for that. Most uh, of the TR3B idea pretty much came from X-Files. Yeah. As far as as far as I'm concerned, because they had these government UFOs in the show that were flown by secret pilots and they abducted yeah. people and they had some really great episodes, but I don't think that's what it is. But yeah, so but this, if anybody's wondering, this is how you film a UFO video. You take your phone, you shake it, and you throw it. <laughs> I got great video, guys. I'm like. Yeah, or you you film it and then you stop filming straight away. Yeah, you just, oh, as, as soon as it gets interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's the, a lot of that. There's a lot yeah, of that. Like, there are some cases. Uh, there was there was one I can't remember where it was, but it was a, a nice uh, video. Uh, it was a 
a silver sphere with some pointy things coming off it. It looks like a Sputnik. And the guy filmed it for quite a long time. And Are if it was it was a genuine uh, if it was a genuine UFO, that would have been great footage, but it didn't do anything interesting. So it I just, think I think I know what video you're referencing. Yeah, it, it hung in the air exactly like a balloon. I mean I could probably find it on Metabunk Sputnik or something like that. Metabunk. So I think I can find it on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's the Rick Ibarra. Ibarra. San Diego wow. Silver Spear video by uh, Rick Ibarra. And the, the, the YouTube video is called The San Diego Sphere uh, slash vertical slash witness testimony. So you and I had a conversation about this video right here. We did. Sort of. Uh, you wanted me to send you the raw video, and oh, I was able to. Video. I was able to send you some of it. So that's the picture, and this is. Right, so I remember. I it takes a while that. for my phone to focus, but there it is. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm. I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure it was a a plane. Yeah, I think we tried to find which plane it was, but yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, I could not find it. Right, the only plane that was in the air, according to yeah. uh, twenty four, was fifteen, like ten or fifteen miles in the wrong direction, going the wrong direction. See, the reason I think it's a plane is that is it looks right exactly here? like a plane. And I've These seen little... a lot of planes that look exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's got the white fuselage, and then you see the kind of little indentations slash like outdentations of the uh the wings the winglets uh, yeah well the, the wings the entire wing is there it's just you can't see it because the plane is lit from above so you see the fuselage because you can see the sides of the fuselage yep. but you it's can't see the right wings because all you can see of the wings is the underneath wings and uh, wings you know the lit the plane's lit from above the yeah it's always so, above a plane so one of the things that that I I find I guess confusing about this is its orientation right now is like a forty five degree upward. It's mm -hmm. it's climbing. No, and it's probably literally... level flight. It's the same illusion that we saw earlier with the the the, the five um, five dots. Like the, when something flies over overhead, yeah. Like I say it, it it looks like it's turning from the camera's perspective. So, I mean, if you can kind of imagine something flying directly overhead it is going to look like it's 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 flying straight up because mm -hmm. it's flying directly overhead and if it's flying a bit to the side it looks like it's flying kind of up like this so if it starts out and if it's flying you know say in another way it's like 45 degrees right. but if you keep following it it actually it's it going to look like it comes down the other side and so when it's flying away from you it looks like it's flying down at 45 degrees uh, and that's 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 it flying in a straight line directly over. Well, not directly, like I like, say, like uh, five miles to the to one side of you. So it's a yeah. plane five miles up in the air, five miles to the side, flying kind of past you. So you see it off in the distance at first. It's going to kind of look like it's going up at forty-five degrees. Then when it gets to the point where it's closest to you, and this is like a little trick you can do, like you know when is something is perfectly. It looks like it's going neither up nor down. That's when it's at its closest point to you. And then it'll start mm -hmm. to look like it's going down. 
And you, you'll see that in this video. It looks like it's going up, and then it's like going horizontal, and then it's going down. But it's actually in probably in a in a more or less straight line. Yeah. See, it was neither climbing or descending. So, so that was weird to me because one, I live near at that point in time. I lived near one, two, three, four airports. So I was very accustomed to seeing planes flying in the sky. One of them being an Air Force base and the other one being NAS Oceana, the uh, the Navy base where they fly all their F-18s out of, and uh, Langley where they fly all their F-22s out of. So I'm very used to seeing planes all the time in the air. But when yeah. I saw that, I was like, ah, it doesn't look right. So to me, it was just like, and sure. there was no noise. There was absolutely no yeah. engine noise or anything like that. And it was during COVID, so it wasn't like it was a heavy flight time anyways. Yeah. No, I, I understand like your perspective on that and how it seems strange, but uh, it's it's kind of like a pet uh, topic of mine, planes that are like that. I think I probably sent you my, the um, Tic Tac Behind Trees uh, video. I think you did, was, yeah. Yeah, it was it was showing how um, yeah, with the image stabilization makes things look, move weird, and and also the mm -hmm. low resolution of the camera makes wings disappear. Yeah, uh, I think you, you know the perhaps that the illusion that we're talking about here, the where it looks like it's turning, is is maybe something to think about a bit more uh, in understanding what you're actually looking at as a mm -hmm. as a plane. I mean, you think it's going up at forty five degrees, but it's it's really not. It's just flying horizontally. But you know, I've seen the exact same thing hundreds of times before, and I know that, that maybe sounds like you know I'm the expert. Trust me, but I'm just kind of trying to point you towards things that you can look at. I mean, you, right. if if you try to look for planes doing something similar, like you want a small plane at a high altitude that's passing you at about the same distance away from you as it is high. So if there's a plane at like 30,000 feet, that's about, uh, you know, very roughly like five and a half, six miles yeah. up. So if you, if, if it's going to pass you about five or six miles away from you, it's going to look like that, um, that's uh, that 45 arc. degrees up and then yeah. across. And then it looks like it's descending 45 degrees on the other side. I actually have a, a post on Metabunk. I think it was like uh, estimating estimating passing distance from uh horizon angle or something like that it was it was for contrails if you see a contrail off in the distance and it's at 45 degrees you know it's going to pass near you so it's mm -hmm. like a good contrail in terms of taking photographs of it because if it's if it's at 45 degrees or or more from horizontal you know it's going to pass nearby yeah so i think one uh we should call contrails what they are exhaust fumes that are well, they're not frozen they're not, in the they're atmosphere. Not, they're, not <laughs> they're, uh, they're condensation. Uh, funny thing about contrails, well, it's not funny, it's just like, uh, like one of the fun science facts about contrails is that most of what you see in a contrail didn't come out of the engine. It's actually water that's in the atmosphere already. Is um, it being heated by the engine no, and then refreezes? No. no. Uh, what happens is uh, the air is just not humid enough for clouds to form. Okay. Uh, and when the plane comes by, it burns fuel 
So it's burning a hydrocarbon in oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it, it creates carbon dioxide yep. and H2O, which is water in about equal amounts. Well, not equal amounts, but uh, quite a lot of water. Yeah. If you burn a, a gallon of jet fuel, it actually makes 1.3 gallons of water uh, with all the, with the added oxygen. It actually ends up being more water than the jet fuel. And so uh, jet exhaust is actually just higher humidity air. And so it's raising yeah. the humidity enough for a cloud to form. And there's also some like condensation nuclei, but they're not they're not actually necessary. But it's uh, they're there. So it it makes a cloud form, but most of the water in a resultant contrail is actually already there in the atmosphere. It's just kind of uh, adding a bit of water that just triggers the formation of the cloud, and then the cloud can actually kind of uh, form and grow based on the existing water. So it's not jet exhaust that you're seeing, and it's not even like yeah, all the water that's come out of the jet engine. It's actually mostly water in the air. In fact, a contrail is really just a type of cloud. Well, they look like clouds. They are clouds. <laughs> it's a type of cloud. It's, it's in the International uh, Cloud Atlas uh, by the, the World Meteorological Organization. They're called um, Cirrus homogenitus. Which means man-made cirrus. Yeah. Okay, I got one more video. Alrighty. <clears throat> this is not UFOs. Oh. <laughs> but it is. Uh, it is part of the paranormal phenomenon. So this video, I'm going to give you a little pretext. This video, according to the people who shot it, is not cut in any way, and there's mm -hmm. only three people. And all three of them can be seen on the video. Okay. So here we go. I really need to hit the don't ask me again button. All right. Oh, scariest video you'll ever watch. Hmm. That's what they say. <laughs> we'll see. Hmm, got a Blair Witch vibe here. It's a house out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is in Georgia. I must say I'm getting kind of like uh, a staged vibe uh, to this video, even though nothing's happened yet. Now, before before that seems weird, that uh -huh. that switch had do not turn off on it. In a lot of older houses where people have done their own electrical work, sometimes a light switch will be connected to an outlet. Right. So they'll put that on. Yeah, there. I've seen I've seen signs like that before. It doesn't yeah, seem just odd. so so people don't think that it's like, oh my god, that's so weird. Swinging pots. Well, look at this. Oh, <laughs> yes. Now, back here. Yeah. Clearly, there's no chairs on the table. And, and now there are. 
Yeah, no, it's obviously a, a ghost put them there. It's no other explanation. But I guess like what we should do is try to consider what the possible explanations are. I mean, one is that a ghost, a poltergeist, added the chairs. And mm -hmm. the other one, the only other one, is that a human did it. Or maybe two or three people? Well, yes. I mean, it, it happened It one, happened very one quickly. Or more. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take that long to put uh, three chairs up on a table, especially if you practice it ahead of time. You're ready, go! <laughs> Done. Dive so, behind the counter. Of so course, I think they go into the kitchen to explore, take it down. Oh, this is where they hear a noise upstairs. So they, what the hell is this? I think you skipped the next video. Yeah, there's an ad. Okay, so he looks back in the kitchen. The chairs are still there. And then they appear behind him. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, i got to say it looks fake. It's not so like they're you, right can, there. You, can, you can say, yeah. but you know, <laughs> So I want you to see how fast this happens. Right. They're right there. Takes a couple steps. Yeah, well, it was five seconds. Well, at least five seconds, or maybe six or seven. But yeah, maybe there's. It's. Let's say you set out to recreate that video. How hard do you think it would be to recreate if you were given, like, a, say, a day to practice and you had, like, say, four or five people working on it? If you had, and that's really... that, even that is saying like there's no cuts in it. Yeah, the mate, there might be. It, it, you couldn't tell if there was a cut there, but if you swing a camera around rapidly, it's not that hard to kind of blend that in with, in a, with a different. You would, yeah. I, the only thing I haven't done with this video was put it in my video editor and looked at it frame by yeah. frame. Yeah, there's but... some amazing videos out there that special effects people make that are astonishing in. In how realistic that they look. Uh, then there's also there's magic shows where people do things on stage that yeah. look completely impossible. Well, and... that's that's a that's perspective too. Like when you go to magic shows because they've mapped out how the stage is, they know oh, yeah. exactly yeah. where they can move and how they yeah. can move. And but here, like I think the the only way this would work as a as a fake is if they rehearsed it ahead of time. Yeah, no one's going to be like, you know, let's do some funny stuff whilst I'm moving the camera around and then these mm -hmm. these chairs. Yeah. You know, they had to have planned that in advance. But you know, so we've got we've only got we've got two options. And I guess the question is why would you pick the supernatural option as being the most likely? When right. you've got a much more reasonable option of them faking it as being uh being the answer. Now, a lot of the times in the supernatural community and in other communities as well, including the UFO community, there is this um, deference given to eyewitnesses. And so if somebody makes a claim and they say, I saw this, or they say, here's a video that I took and it's real and you can see like the doll moving yeah. in it, then uh, people in within the community feel like, oh, here's someone else within the community who makes this claim. I should believe them by default. 
and I think that's perhaps leads to a lot of uh, unwarranted belief. Uh, you, you've really got to examine the video on its merits and, and think, mm -hmm. you know, what is the most likely thing that is happening here? That ghosts are arranging chairs into pyramids in a kitchen whilst people are wandering around with flashlights or someone is faking a ghost video. You know, really out of those two things, which is the more likely? And yeah, well, you know, if what you're is really it? into ghost videos, yeah. then maybe you're going to think that the ghosts ghosts are doing it. But but but, but why? Well, and I think how and <sighs> it violates all known physics and uh, everything does. we know about science versus somebody making up a video. It does. And one of the things that I think so I spent my first year that I had my YouTube channel, I was doing top five ghost videos and top five UFO videos. And I'll tell you, when you take a lot of these videos that people are like, oh my God, this is a scary video. And you put it in a video editor and you slow it down and you zoom and you look at it, mm -hmm. you probably like 90% of the time, the conclusion that the person editing the video comes up with is, oh, this is fake. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, you know one of the, the biggest tools of, uh, of 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 ghost videos is is fishing line. I have some somewhere because you know you do your video at a certain resolution, you can't see the fishing line. Yeah, but you no, know, I... things like the the chairs being stacked, it's something mm -hmm. that looks like super impossible, but yeah, you, you, it could be done. I suppose like the you'd also have to think about the audio aspect of that because that would make a bit of noise, so that might be, have to be edited out. But, you would you, know, again, you would hear simplest explanation. It, it, unless they took their shoes off and they were fucking barefooting around in the uh, the kitchen to put quick put the chairs yeah. on. Yeah. All right, everybody go away. It would take at least two or three people to do that with how fast the camera pans over. Yeah, if there I, isn't I, a cut, I I don't you know I, I'm not really that interested in ghost videos because I think there's so much stuff that is you know essentially fake. I, mean, I do look at them. I wouldn't the, yeah. personally bother with that one unless it was getting a lot of attention. It's uh, got over people two million do. views. Like, one point three million. million. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, it's got a lot of attention. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I wonder if there's, there's a guy who who does analyze them called uh, Kenny Biddle, mm -hmm. uh, who's who's really good at this type of thing. He's he's kind of like uh, the go-to guy for analyzing uh, ghost videos. Uh, he might. He's probably actually already looked at this one because if it's got two million views, he's probably looked at it. So we could, we could ask him, see what he has to say. Yeah, and, and so like when it comes to the uh, like the ghost videos and and that stuff, if one everybody uses their little EM detectors, <clears throat> their EMF detectors, yeah. their K two meters, but you have a tri band. Uh, yeah, Trifield. I have a Trifield meter, which, uh, yeah, they're, they're similar types of things. I mean, it, this is it's marketed to people who are paranoid about EMF, and it's it's set ridiculously <laughs> low, um, so you know it's already it's like bumping Bouncing. off the top of the scale already, yeah. even though there's nothing really going on here. It's my Bluetooth earpiece, so I'll probably like get it going. That's probably the Bluetooth right there. Yeah. But obviously, I'm going to die. Yeah. But this is this is like one thousandth of the uh, the federal limits for mm -hmm. RF exposure. But so one of the useful. 
one of the things that I see is they use uh, dual band EMF detectors, which aren't really accurate. You have to actually yeah. like rotate the detector because you need a tri band for it to actually pick up a real, you know, EMF field. Yeah. If you're, if you're using a dual band, you're really, if, and if you read the directions for it, you're supposed to take it and then turn it to get an accurate reading. Well, it's like if you're selling a ghost detector, it's kind of a bit bogus from the start because there isn't really any accepted science as to how to detect ghosts. Right. So really you're selling something that that they know will cause the dial to wobble around uh, if you move it through a house where the electrical fields are varying to some degree. Uh, uh, so it's not... I don't know. It's I can't. It's difficult for me to take um, ghost hunting seriously. I know a lot of people do. Uh, yeah, it's difficult for me to take it there. serious. But yeah, looking if you look at the actual science behind it, and it's it's a lot of you know, people want to find a ghost. If people go on a ghost hunt, it's kind of like the CE five thing. You know, people yeah. who pay lots of money, or even don't pay money, but just go out into the desert, they've invested something. Uh, in that you you put all this effort into meditating to summon uh, aliens, mm -hmm. it kind of makes you more receptive to the idea that what you are seeing is uh, some kind of alien uh, presence or whatever it is, or or that what you are feeling or seeing or hearing in a house is is a ghost. Um, yeah. But yeah, they generally do not pass the hard science analysis. Well, we have a, as the elected representative of this chat, I need to invoke the bottled water constitution and implement Article 5 and have Mick do a shelf tour. A shelf tour. Everybody wants to know what's behind <laughs> yourself. Like, people are those juggling balls. Like, Yeah, those are juggling balls. So the, the green and the red uh, balls are juggling balls. And the ones oh. to this side of it, let's see, I'll use this this camera. All right, so these ones here are my 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 juggling balls that I use right there are just some kind of metallic juggling. Oh, these are, those are very, those are solid steel balls, okay. uh, which like I used a while back or... for some experiment. Yeah. Essentially solid steel bearings. Yeah. They're, they're kind of a fun science thing. You bang them together with a piece of paper in between them and it's the concentrated energy will burn a hole in the paper. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a fun little thing. Mm -hmm. What else have I got? Oh, there's some organite. Uh, that I, I got to test Organite to see if that works. Show you that. Yeah. It's my Organite pyramid. Oh, cool. Which uh, doesn't do anything, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's a pretty little thing. It's like a little paperweight. Then uh, I have uh, a levitating magnet, with, which is a small magnet between two pieces of graphite, uh, or graphene, sorry, not graphite. Yeah. A uh, small model of World Trade Center 7. A uh, that's an award I got, uh, a probe award from uh, yes, the golden um, probe, yes, yes, from the, the golden probe award, yes, from that one time I was abducted, yeah, it's very good. It actually it, uh, it lights up as well, which is uh, it's a lot of fun. If you can see it lighting up there, it's like flashing, <laughs> yeah, it's got yes. this little antenna, which I just added afterwards, but anyway, let's turn that off. What so, so a lot of people don't know because. I did the audio for one of the award sections and I could, I completely forgot to say my name and everything. So like you just hear this random dude 
<laughs> saying this. And it, yeah, yeah, it was me. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun. I, when I saw you uh, that you accepted and did your own video accepting your Golden Probe, I was like, okay, so mix a normal person. Because <laughs> you have, or am I? Maybe it's all part of my psychological ploy, trained by the you? CIA, which is what yeah. some people actually think. Well, from what I've seen on Twitter, you faked a ski resort trip. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, there's this one guy who's who thinks I'm faking everything. He he says that um, he was just you know, questioning my my skiing photos as an example of the way I approach evidence you know, right. saying, well, how can you prove that is true? That's, this is the way you do it. But he, he started questioning all kinds of other things as well. Like he was accusing some other guy of being me and saying that I made up an interview, uh, which I didn't. It was like this interview with an anonymous source. So I couldn't tell who it was. And that made him very suspicious. And there was things in the interview that he thought were wrong. So he assumed I made it up. Yeah. So I think perhaps he did actually think uh, at some point that I faked uh, my ski ski photos but yeah it's like it's the thing like when people get this idea that you have this motivation and they start to think that you're being disingenuous then they start to see everything that you say through that lens yeah and then that becomes this this for them i think a feedback loop of confirmation it's like oh well, there's mick lying again it's just me saying more stuff, but now they think I'm lying because they thought I'm, I was lying about something else. But yeah, I try to make right. a, a very specific point of of, of never lying. Yeah, uh, and, and I think one of the things when we look at the, the three Navy... Okay, fine, I'll bring it up. When we look at the three Navy videos, I guess I can't help myself. <laughs> They're just so compelling. They're so compelling, but we got three videos. And when I say yeah. we need more data, without the radar data, without yeah. all the other collabor collaborating data, oh, English idiot. Corroborating? Yeah, cor cor yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> but without that data, we can't make a truly educated conclusion. Yeah. Without all the flight data, without all the radar data, without everything else. Because even weapon systems and i've operated quite a few of them myself if you ignore 75 percent of the data and just look at the video because the video is like a quarter of the picture mm -hmm. everything else is telling you why the video is important even when you're using a remote gun system and you're looking at a, a laptop sitting in the back of a, a vehicle and you've got a joystick moving a 50 cal around just because something moves you don't shoot at it sure you have to have all of the data and we don't have all the data to these videos even and, yeah. and i think somebody said the videos are actually cropped uh, i don't think they are uh i think they because they all show the same um, on-screen display, right? And that seems consistent with with other like uh, FLIR, uh, app FLIR displays, like the one that the, you see in DCS and the, the Digital Combat Simulator has the mm -hmm. exact same uh, symbology around the, the edges. So I don't think there's anything cropped, unless you mean cuts, like shortened. Yeah, like 
yeah, shortened and it's oh well, not yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly going to be more video because apparently, like, they're recording the whole time. So this yeah, is every time they take off. Yeah, this is a clip of a longer video, and yes. the longer video, I mean, ah, that would be just so amazingly useful. It would. It, it would be would, great if we had it, right? It would be. It would be awesome. You could. You could determine so many things and resolve so many questions. Yeah. You know, one of the big issues with um, Atflir video, that's the type of camera that's used, well, the type of the weapons, the targeting pod that's mm -hmm. used, is that there's no other examples of this quality. The, the very best examples ever seen in human history of Atflir footage are Gimbal and GoFast, which is kind of bizarre, really. Well, no, you know, I've the, seen some really great video in the military of... AC-130s just smoking people with their <laughs> with their Gatling guns and their their 108. Like be a Rapflia? Yeah. Like yeah, literally well, it, smoking like 30 or 40 people. But Yeah, no. Well, I've, I've, there, there was a few things like uh, leaks by WikiLeaks that mm -hmm. showed like gun camera footage or targeting pod footage uh, of stuff like that. But I don't think there's anything that shows the same type of thing. Uh as far as like has... UFOs go, no. No, it really just uh, the, the 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 screen layout of an Atlas system with um, you know the the NAR slash MFOV WFOV and the the two X zoom and the the focus and then the the status line and then the uh, the LNS on one side and the heading on there and that that the whole array of things like that you don't see that on other videos. Not uh, generally few, released to the public. Yeah, yeah, there's a few like tour videos uh, that that people do. You know, the where a squad does like you know this this fun recap of their year. They sometimes stick a little bit of footage in there, but it's usually not very very good quality. And the only ones where I've seen with the same symbology is when they filmed it from inside the cockpit, and you can see it down there, and you can't really see yeah. anything. So like, yeah, if there's if there's any footage out there, why is there no other footage out there? I mean, it's, it has to be essentially because. It's not cleared for public release. It's kind of classified. They don't want yeah. it out there. So... Well, and, and what I think a lot of people need to understand is these are state-of-the-art weapon systems. And we are in a dynamic uh, environment as a country, as yeah. a military, that we cannot just release a no. lot of this stuff. Like It would be detrimental if an F-22 encountered a UFO and made a amazing lovely video that shows us everything that anybody could ever want and is like the gold standard of a ufo and nobody can dismiss it but it was filmed by a classified platform yeah, yeah that you can't <laughs> yeah like you it's uh i mean i think probably the more likely thing is that didn't happen and there's lots of footage that's that's of, of you know perhaps stuff like gimbal and go fast which probably doesn't show ufos uh again they're just simply not releasing because it was filmed on a classified system or it was part of a uh a training process or an engagement or whatever that is just simply classified by default or they just tend not to clear it for public release uh yeah. and that's that's why this yeah all these people are doing these requests for uh, for videos and they're not releasing them and people think that's because they're trying to cover up ufos but you know, it's really just the SOP. It's just the the way things are. They just don't release that video. And obviously, there's 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 no boring video out there from the app player either. It's not right. like they're they're trying to cover up the boring stuff. 
they're just trying to not release any AppFlare footage because it could be analyzed by adversaries to try to find flaws in the targeting system. Well, I think also at the same time, we have to look at some of some of the sightings, like when they they talk about the nuclear launch facilities and UFOs showing up there and initiating launches and beams being shot down into the silos. That's concerning because some of this stuff happened back in the 70s. Yeah, the 60s. 60s, yeah, in in the 70s. And this wasn't a time where Russia and especially China were technologically leapfrogging anybody. Their, Their economies couldn't handle it. The USSR fell specifically because they poured as much of their money as they could into fighting this cold war with the U S and it just completely bankrupt them. Mm. If, if they had that technology during that time, things would have went different. Yeah. Well, I don't think that the Russians were deactivating nukes by a remote flying craft that uh, appeared as red balls of light. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, essentially my position on that is I, I, don't think that actually happened. I don't think that UFOs deactivated nukes. And I think that probably what happened is there was a combination of um, technical failure somehow that caused these nukes to go offline. Uh, And at some point, somebody saw a UFO because you know from your own experience, if you're watching the sky, you're going to see UFOs eventually. And you read the U- the UAP report as a section mm-hmm. in, uh, well it's not a section it's a very small report it has a paragraph yeah it's seven uh, pages and two yeah, of them I this, are I think this the was on page four or five intro. top of page yeah. four or five and it's about clustering and it uh-huh. said that there's some apparent clusters and they were probably referring to this this nuke thing because that's the one that you know people all get like you know uh, it's, it's 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 a big driver it's a it's a thing that people can use. Uh-huh. To congressmen to say, "Oh, these things are hovering around our nuclear installations. We've we've got to do something." Yeah. But they say in the reports, it could be a a reporting bias because uh, high security installations have lots of cameras and they have lots of people looking out to see things, and they have yeah. this uh, this mandate not a mandate they have this directive uh, to report anything that they see. Whereas, well, uh, like, a oh. guy at Walmart isn't going to report everything they see in the sky, and he probably isn't even looking at the sky. So no, you, you're going to see a lot more sightings around nuclear sites. It doesn't mean there's actually UFOs around them. It just means that there's more people looking. So what, what I will say is, in my mind, one of two things happened at these nuclear facilities. Being a former soldier and having been on guard and done all this, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Either... Somebody messed up so bad just doing their normal day-to-day stuff. They screwed up so bad. And the problem is that some of these missiles went into launch mode. And that's an issue. So either they pushed the wrong button or they were just sleeping in their they had their foot up on the console and hit something and something went wrong mm. or a guard was sleeping and woke up and was like, Oh my God, I, I, 
either that or something actually happened. And yeah. if the military station well, <laughs> seriously, I don't know. Like, uh, I think the most famous case is the the Eagle Flight case, which I think is the Robert Salas. If I'm, I may be getting the name yeah, wrong. Yeah, Salas. Uh, that the last yeah. thing you got right. Yeah, uh, and I think the what technically what, what happened there was that the they went offline. There was like ten missiles, and the, the the systems all went offline at a similar time. And they investigated, and they couldn't figure out why it was. But you know, if it was someone like knocking a switch with his foot, they would have been able to figure that out. Yes, and they think it was some some kind of electrical interference. Uh, you know, it's like some kind of not like EMP exactly, but you know, some kind of burst of radio waves or something that triggered something, or just some weird static electricity or something. Uh, but they, they, I don't know if they ever figured it out, but I'm not sure if they would tell you if they did. It's one of those things if they investigated, they're not necessarily going to tell you. But, you know, things go wrong from time to time. And the they military do. doesn't have infallible hardware. I mean, you, you said uh, that you've seen a lot of things with an X on them. Uh, mm -hmm. Does that mean that they didn't work? No, I'm that sure means they're experimental. Oh, okay. Well, so probably it, did, a, lot, a lot of that probably didn't work then because <laughs> it's experimental. It, <laughs> some of it didn't work. Yeah. Some of it we broke on purpose, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But, you know, the it, nuclear missile silos, they try to make them as foolproof as possible, but it, it's, it's kind of hard because it's a difficult type of thing to test. Uh, well, because you've got to easiest... have a full missile silo to test it. So it's something, something unexpected could go wrong. So what a lot of people don't know is the easiest way to make something foolproof is to make it extremely simple. Stupid yeah, simple. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you make it so simple, I mean, this is, I'm not going to say this is exactly how it works. Because if I say this is exactly how it works, somebody will show up at my door. But if you have a system that is launched by two keys, that means mm -hmm. it's a simple electrical circuit. And the way to close that electrical circuit is by closing those two keys, which initiates the launch sequence. And that's how it works. I'm not going to say that's... It's a bit more complicated than that. But. <laughs> it's... You would think, but they're still using floppy disks in the military to run they're, systems. They're, yeah, they just phased that out. They used to use 8-inch floppy disks, but they, they started phasing that out a, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, I don't know if you watched Jeopardy. I, I'm a, a big Jeopardy fan, but they had a guy on Jeopardy like a month ago, and he was a big tall guy. And he said he went to the missile silos, and he said that he was actually, uh, his, his, his wingspan, as he described it, was big enough. So he could actually personally turn both keys at the same time. Oh, I'm six. Nobody. I'm yeah. I'm six foot three. I have a. I actually have yeah, a six. Foot I think he was seven. about six eight or something ridiculous. But yeah, I have a, but anyway, I have a like six, yeah. Seven wingspan. I mean, your point is is good that like simple systems are are more foolproof, but it doesn't mean they can't go wrong. And you know, they, nuclear yeah, they can. nuclear launch thing isn't as simple as just uh, turning two keys. There's also the codes that you've got to enter to actually you know, yeah. Get the code energizes yeah. this. The code energizes yeah. the system, and the two keys close it. Yeah, so there's there's something in there that's actually more, yeah, reasonably complicated, and there's a, that that failed. It's just a, a circuit failed essentially, like, and uh, nobody knows why, or at least they don't. They're not telling us why. Uh, but yeah, what does it? It's 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 one of those 
fun things that you kind of lose sight of it because you start delving into the details and then mm. you think like what's actually going on here why right. did in the 1960s aliens uh briefly deactivate a nuclear facility if yeah. that's what supposedly happened i mean how does that make any sense in, in in the context of them never doing it again afterwards and nobody seeming to really change anything due to that and the the army like just conducting an investigation that just led to the conclusion that it was some kind of weird electrical glitch i mean like what was the point or what was the motivation i mean because you can't figure out aliens motivation and you could hypothesize about something but it, it just seems so ridiculous and just the simple True. fact of some kind of you know glitch in the system plus regular people thinking they see ufos you know maybe uh it seems like a much simpler explanation than aliens doing this weird one-time thing for no apparent reason that had no effect well so technically to the people who see ufos by definition if they are unidentified to the person it's an unidentified flying object if they can't identify it sure sure yeah now i'd go with that when uh i i have my own theory and i don't ever definitively say this is what the phenomenon is i just have like three or four theories that float around in my head i'm like ah oh, maybe it's this maybe it's that one of the ones that i like is that we have 65 million years of history between big giant birds and lizards walking around eating each other and then a big giant rock hits and everything dies and then animals come back and then 65 million years later we show up and we tool around in the dirt for probably longer than we realize that we have just because we found sites in South America that are like way older than the Native Americans coming over the land bridge into Alaska and coming down after the cave bears died. So they were like, oh, well, maybe people were sailing across the Pacific and coming to South Africa and doing whatever they were doing because they found all these artifacts in caves and they dated them and they're way too old to be Incan or Mayan or anything else. So how do we know that hmm. something did not evolve on this earth three or four million years ago and then leave and just come back later and go, oh, crap. Who the hell are these monkeys running around blowing sure. shit up? Yeah. And that, sure, you don't know, but it's, it's, it's not really any different from how do we know that aliens aren't visiting? You know, you don't. Well, not um, until they land on the White sure, House sure. lawn. But, and... you know, you're, you're postulating a possible explanation of, of ancient humans, uh, ancestors leaving and then coming back in a kind of Planet of the Apes scenario uh, to a different world. And there's other postulates, like Elizondo talks about the possibility of uh, extra-dimensional beings, like from some right. kind of weird parallel dimension. But they're all essentially, it's essentially the same thing. You're talking about non-human intelligence in the sense of you know, not uh, modern humans. You know, if it's people who left millions of years ago and come back, they're essentially aliens at this point. 
Yeah. Uh, and extra dimensional beings, they're, they're aliens. You know, people from another planet, they're, they're aliens. They're non-human intelligence. Call it whatever you like. All you're doing here is you're you're postulating, you know, some kind of uh, other being being responsible for for these craft. And the, it, what it boils down to is what is the evidence for that? It's not like you know, is it possible? Yeah, sure, it's possible. It's possible that uh, beings are coming from another. Dimension. It's possible we're living in a simulation, and these are uh, some kind of I don't know garbage collection robots that are just uh, cleaning up out. the, the yeah, code yeah, of the like simulation. The, it, the Langoliers, the Langoliers yeah. cleaning up uh, the cleaning up the past by eating it. For those of you uh, who don't know, that's a Stephen King reference. Yes, yes, it's. Uh, <laughs> One Not the, the best most, movie. It, Don't watch the movie. Read the book. It's one of the more philosophically interesting Stephen King uh, uh, short stories. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's people get trapped in the past. I can't remember how it happens. The plane gets struck by lightning or something like that. Yeah, but it ends up in like a like a white space. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And they're like at an, well, they're landed it, it, at an it, airport. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's kind of like a glitch in the Matrix thing. And yeah. then then things are coming around and they're, they're eating it. But like, yeah, say you could say maybe Langoliers are real. Maybe that actually yeah. happens in the past. And maybe there's a way of getting into that, that, that position, but you just, you're postulating these, these, uh, hypothetical realities. Yeah. And if you don't actually have any evidence for those hypothetical realities, then it's just kind of like science fiction storytelling. It's kind of fun. Uh, but you know, if we, if we can't tell either way, or if there's no real evidence either way, uh, other than absence of evidence, then yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a fun story to, 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 to think about. Uh, but maybe I, investigate if you want. If you think it's true, go and investigate, try to, try to gather evidence. But So I, uh, I do think it's important that we do start to investigate maybe the crazier ideas. Because what we're, what we're starting to find, when we when science starts looking into this into yeah. uh, the multiverse or alternate realities with uh, quantum entanglement and everything like that, they're starting to say, well, maybe, maybe this stuff does exist. Maybe there are other, maybe there are other realities. So if there are other realities, is there the possibility that something from another reality can come into our reality? So maybe that should be investigated. If these yeah. membranes between realities are permeable. It's a very attractive idea. And it's the type of idea that I've you know, liked since I was young. And you know, part of the reason it's attractive is that it, it gives kind of hope about life after death. And this is something I think Leslie Kane was talking about on uh, Chris Leto's podcast a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday. Uh, that there's there's actually a connection between uh, belief in an afterlife and interest in UFOs. Not sure exactly mm. what she said, but someone characterized it as that way. Uh, but the idea that there are other realities that perhaps these UFOs are coming from, like other dimensions, or uh, uh, you know that maybe they're time travelers or something, or that uh, maybe it's there's there's maybe we're living in a simulation. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you hope that you can kind of transcend this little uh, flesh and bones. Yeah, the plane that reality. we are on right now. Yeah, and then move into a, a different plane of, of reality, the one that the UFOs are coming from. 
which sounds great. Uh, you know, it's it's it would be uh, it would be very interesting, <laughs> and perhaps like you know this wonderful transmogrification, the uh, what's it, childhood's end type thing. Where yeah, humanity evolves to the next level, and people like that idea, and that's you know, part of why people are fascinated by the possibility of something uh, that exists, which is so much beyond our current realm of reality than what we actually have, because it opens up this whole other world that could possibly transcend the physical reality and transcend death itself. So what I like is that you just brought up something that is maybe people might not realize or they do realize, but we're not inventing new concepts. We're actually rehashing thousands and thousands of year old concepts from early human consciousness about the future of our existence after we die and all these other realities and, and where does our consciousness yeah. go and what do our chakras do? And there's several different types of religions and beliefs that talk about this. And when we talk about the UFO subject and them being like extra dimensional beings or whatever, we're kind of feeding into ancient ideology of the human existence. Yeah, well, I think it's 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 something that's just, it's like part of the human condition. It's like we know that we're we born, we grow old, and we die. Yeah, which is a little bit depressing. And so people have um, different ways of dealing with that, and perhaps you know, which are almost like biological in a way. Like you, you you, know, you don't want to be so depressed about life that you just kill yourself. So you you think about what's the, what's the point of life, and then that kind of leads to like you know what happens after you die, and then the 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 idea of an existence of an afterlife leads itself to the idea of what if we can access other realms while still mm -hmm. alive? What if we can talk to the dead? You know, what if we can do magic? It's it's uh, it's very easy and fun mindset to slip into. I, you know, I was young. I used to think about it all the time and I still I, mean, I recognize the uh, the allure of essentially you know believing in some kind of, of magic or something that's you know so incredibly advanced that it's indistinguishable from magic it's it's a fun thing to think about I used to you know when I was like 10 or so I, I used to think uh, um, I had psychic powers because I got lucky like uh, picking some cards at some point yeah I used to try to I did a I did a a uh, what do we call it? A, uh, a survey on on Twitter where I asked, "Have you ever tried to use the force?" Yeah, and it's like everyone's everyone's done it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you you, you think I try to move this thing with the power of my mind? You just try to do it. Just you know, why not? Yeah. Why don't you try to do it? It's, if it works, it would it would be amazing. <laughs> it worked yet though, unfortunately, probably probably won't. Well, I think speaking of consciousness we have a very limited understanding of what consciousness is. And I think we have a very arrogant understanding of what consciousness is. And anybody who's ever seen dolphins interact or whales interact <laughs> in mourn or elephants yeah. mourn, all these animals experience a yeah. wide range of emotions and yeah. even dogs experience yeah, yeah. a wide range a of emotions. And anybody who's just like humans are the ultimate 
pinnacle of consciousness on this planet are just so arrogant and uneducated because I don't think they realize how other animals interact and do the things that they do. Yeah, something I think that's really interesting about consciousness is that people don't appreciate, most people don't appreciate just how different um, individual people experience consciousness. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a variety of conditions that people have uh, where the way they perceive the world is very, very different to the way other people perceive the world. There's, there's the synesthesia where people kind of um, perceive things like sounds as colors. Uh, yeah. There's aphantasia where people are, are unable to um, draw up a mental picture so that you tell them to picture an apple, they can't picture the apple. Or do they try to picture someone's face, they can't picture it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, there's, there's a whole bunch of similar types of things. And then there's people who are actually are blind or, or deaf, or uh, there's people who are neurologically different in various ways. And all these people exist in the world, and there's going to be a kind of similar cross-section in any large group of people. So you take people like, say, UFO believers, there's mm -hmm. going to be all kinds of different types of consciousness and the way people perceive reality and the way they they see themselves in reality and how they relate to the universe and see themselves within the universe. Within, say, UFO Twitter, there's going to be people who, you know, when when you have an experience of seeing a UFO and you, you can picture it and describe it, they're kind of incapable of understanding what you even saw because they, they right. can't make mental models, of visual mental models. They, they make them in a very different way. Uh, and there may be other people who, when they see a UFO, they, they, they perceive it in, you know, kind of a synesthetic way of, of seeing colors and say, different, different feelings and different sensations relating to, to what they see. And it makes communication very difficult because we kind of assume that the way we individually perceive the world out there and the way, you know, when I close my eyes and think about the world and try to picture what I saw and what I, you know, what, uh, how things work, it, it could be a completely different way of thinking yeah. than somebody else has. And that can lead to, when I try to explain it, I hit a brick wall and mm -hmm. vice versa. Someone's trying to explain to me, you know, what their experience was and I'm just, you know, not getting it because I can't get inside their brain. I don't, I don't know how their consciousness works. So I think consciousness is a very complicated problem uh, that is in some ways oversimplified by people saying, what is the con what is the issue of consciousness? But there's so many different types of consciousness. It's, yeah, it's there are. It's kind of foolish to try to just pigeonhole everybody together. I mean, everyone's, everyone's different, and you have to keep that in mind when you're trying to communicate with people. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I generally try to keep this to an hour, and gone over well i'm not i'm not mad this has been <laughs> great what a great conversation what a great start to the year Nick. Yeah, thank you for being on the show i hope some of the people in the chat get a understanding that you're just a person and one of the things that i want to say is when you tweet people and you disagree with them understand that there is a actual person on the other end of your tweet you're not tweeting at a robot. Mix, mm -hmm. He's an actual person. 
So let's be respectful and let's not turn it into a circus because our community does not need the three tent circus ideology. We need to be grounded and we need to do this the right way. And Mick, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing what you do. I don't always agree with you. Sure. Who does? But, <laughs> but I do thank you for being open and, and willing to come on to the show and have a conversation. This has been an awesome conversation. I would I would really just let this go, but <laughs> I know you got stuff to do. I got I stuff do, to I do. do. Have to go, so I'm, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna throw you in the back and then I'm gonna do my outro. All right. So, well, thank you very much for a very interesting conversation, and thank you for the kind of overtures of uh, you know, peaceful communication that you're, you're throwing out there. I think that's you know, something that, that's that's needed. Yeah, you know, I don't think we need to be like berating people about it, but it's just right. something that's just it's just a good thing to try to encourage. And I appreciate you you doing that, and thank you for thank an interesting you. conversation. Well, thank you, and uh, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Oh, they can find me at Mick West. Just about everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, YouTube slash Mick West, Twitter Mick West, Reddit Mick West, MickWest.com, and all the other Mick Wests. Awesome. But usually there, on Twitter if you... Yes. Uh, so his Twitter is down in the description as long as well as mine, English idiot. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. I guess we got to do social media crap so people follow me. But Indeed. I'm going to throw you on the back and I'll do my outro. Everybody, oh my God, it is great to be back. Oh, I love being back. Yes. What a great conversation. Holy crap. Did anybody expect that? No, you didn't. You did not expect that. Such a great conversation. I love everybody in the chat. There are so many of you tonight. Thank you all for supporting the show. And I will see you all later. Yes, in broadcast. <laughs>